Hello, welcome to You Don't Know Mojack. My name is Ryan. My name is Brent. In this episode, we're discussing SST-122, the Zoog's Rift album, Amputees in Limbo. It's our third Zoog's record in a row, three of four. We've got a, a four-episode Zoog's run going on here, and uh, it's a wild ride, Brant. Yes. It's wild. Oh, it's wild. Yeah. But uh, I'm enjoying it. It's definitely, uh, you know, I haven't listened to these deeply for a long, long time, so it's cool to get into them. Do you have any spiels for the people, man? Yeah, I've got a couple. I've got a podcast shout out. Uh, this one is, do you know the, do you know the magazine Tape Op Magazine, Ryan? No, I don't know that one. Okay, well, it's been around forever since like the 90s. Uh, Larry Crane is the guy who founded it. And it focuses on like the recording industry, like producers and engineers and stuff. And Larry has hosted a podcast for a few years now, mostly new interviews, but a few archival ones. And the latest one features Steve Fisk. Oh, cool. So a bit of a tie in there. Uh, We've talked about Steve on Screaming Trees Other Worlds episode, which he, he engineered that record. But we'll also be seeing him later on for his own album on SST plus uh, his time with Pell Mel. So we'll be seeing him at least three more times, I think, maybe more. Anyways, it's a great interview. They talk a lot about early Pacific Northwest music, uh, some bands I've never heard of from Seattle, a band called The Beakers. Have you ever heard of them? Oh, yeah. I've got their, they, they put out like a, a retrospective CD that collects all their stuff. They were a very early, not, I wouldn't say proto grunge. They're pretty arty. Yeah. Yeah. More like gang of four or something that came, that one year referencing came out on 2004 on K records. And he talks about them. He talked, here's a band that I think you would like if you've never heard them before, Ryan, have you ever heard of three swimmers? No. Okay. You should check them out. It's the number three swimmers. That's how you'll find them on discogs. They only had two singles out as far as I can tell, but he mentions them. Another Seattle band, very, to my ear, again, I hear Gang of Four, Wire, No Means No. Cool. Uh, I hear like a No Wave influence. Cool stuff. He talks about all kinds of cool stuff. It's a great interview. And Larry's had some amazing guests on, and some big name engineers and producers too. Glenn Johns. Tony Visconti, Bob Clearmountain, Brian Eno, Daniel Lanois, Don Was, Jack Douglas, Jack and Dino, Steve Albini, all kinds. Some great stuff on there. Tape Op Podcast. Check it out. Okay, that's cool. Okay, my next one, Ryan, is another installment of The Comp Zone. <laughs> Okay, this is a comp on the Flying Nun label. Uh, the comp's called Tranterra. Uh, the great New Zealand label Flying Nun, founded in 1981 by Roger Shepard. There was a whole bunch of killer stuff out of New Zealand in the 80s. That label Flying Nun changed hands a few times, but Roger and a group of investors repurchased it in 2009 from Warner Music Group, actually. They're still releasing records. Uh, there's a book by Matthew Bannister of Sneaky Feelings, who's on this compilation. Uh, he wrote a book about 
that kind of scene around New Zealand and Flying Nun. I've been trying to track it down for a while now. Anyways, I am not an expert on Flying Nun. It would be great if someone would do a podcast on the entire label, kind of like we're doing. Kind of. I think it's probably <laughs> probably a nice intro to the label if anybody's interested. But like I said, I'm not an expert, so maybe it's not. But uh, the I like it a lot. The CD version of it, which is longer than the LP version, is up on Spotify. Some of the bands you've heard before or heard of before, like The Clean, uh, the, Bat, yes. the Bats, The Tall Dwarfs, The Verlaines. Yeah. Uh, some of the other ones that caught grabbed me that I had not heard before were a band called Gordons. Another one called Fetus Productions. I don't know anything about these bands other than they're from New Zealand. Sneaky Feelings, who I just mentioned. Children's Hour was a highlight for me. That's the name of the band. Kind of a gothy uh, Velvets kind of vibe. Okay. Cool stuff. There you go. That's my Comp Zone installment. Sounds good. I do like the Flying Nun label, but it just has not been stuff that has been easy to easy to come upon anyways in my travels. Like, Yeah. Oh, some of this stuff's real good. And again, like the other comps I've been mentioning, it's quite eclectic, which I always really enjoy. Like for me, the whole I, the whole idea behind listening to a compilation is to discover new bands. Yeah, exactly. That's it for me, Ryan. What do you have? Okay, I've got two spiels for you. One is um, it relates to a blog, I guess, that was put out lately that I really enjoy. Maybe it's a vlog. I don't know what you call things these days but you remember that website i mentioned it to you a while back called fecking bahamas yes i remember it I, kind of, I follow it yeah kind of a a math rock type of uh blog and uh but but math rock is very diverse and it's it's not all like tapping on seven string guitars um just the good stuff <laughs> <laughs> well, well, here's why I'm mentioning this. They recently uh, released their top 50 greatest math rock albums of all time list. And I, I made my way through it. And I, I don't know. I mean, you probably know more of this stuff than I do. But there was a... Oh, I doubt that, man. Yeah. There, there was a ton of stuff that I had never, ever heard before. There's... You know, the usual suspects on there, uh, Don Caballero, uh, Terra Malos had three albums on there, by the way. Um, nice. Also mentioned like Battles, uh, Farrakhet was on there, Polvo, uh, even the first Shellac album. Uh, there were some new bands that I discovered for the first time on there, which again, you may know these bands, but uh, Tangled Hair, uh, Delta Sleep, The Fall of Troy. A ton of bands that I had uh, just checked out for the first time on this top 50 greatest math rock albums of all time. And you should check it out. I'm interested to see how much of that stuff that uh, you know about. Um, they've got some just wild, obscure stuff on there that uh, blows your mind. So um, I think you're more on top of that stuff than I am. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, some of it's pretty proggy and I think you're more proggy than I am. Did the greatest band, the greatest math rock band of all time make the list, Ryan? You know who I'm talking about. Pigment Vehicle? Yes. 
Pigment Vehicle did not make the list. Uh, it's still a good list. Check it out. Okay, here's my second. Who's number one? Who's number one? Uh, it was it was Don Caballero. Had the okay. had the best album, uh, best math rock album of all time. Um, all right, spiel number two. It's another installment of my last ten, Brandt. <laughs> not not my top ten, my last ten. And okay. these are these are my self isolation last ten rock docs that um, I've watched in the last couple of weeks. Are you ready? Okay, 10. Wow. You've been hitting it, man. Last 10. Here they are. Um, I finally got around to watching the Jawbreaker documentary, Don't Break Down. Awesome. Didn't know there was Uh, one. Is that new? uh, It's, it's, uh, I think it came out around kind of their reunion in 2017 or so. Okay, I'm going to comment on each of these, by the way. Okay, comment. As you go through it. Comment on the Jawbreaker one. Go. Well, no, that's my comment. When did it come out? Okay, or I might have questions, I should say. Okay, next one I watched. The uh, the Killer Kane documentary, New York Doll. Seen it, it's good. Yep. Uh, L7, Pretend We're Dead. It's good, hey? Oh, yeah. I forgot how much I, I liked L7. I never really I never really dove deep into them, but I am now. It's killer. They're good, They're good man. Oh, yeah. Okay, um, the Gitz documentary called The Music, The Band, The Legacy. I have never seen that. That's fairly new, right? Uh, I think it's like 20, 2015, 2016. I didn't write down the years, man. I didn't think I was going to get quizzed on this. Man, God. <laughs> well, I don't need to know the exact, okay. exact date. I just need to know if it's new or not. Yeah. The thing that really struck me on watching, like, and I love the Gitz, always have um, this very tragic story but some amazing music. And the thing that struck me again in watching that movie was uh, how amazing of a vocalist Mia Zapata is. She's She's got such a soulful mm-hmm. punk voice, you know. Um, she I was kind of reminds me of Gary Floyd a little bit. Yeah, I was just going to say that, and uh, that gets referenced in the documentary too, but I mean, very similar vibe and just as good of a singer. Okay, that's that's only four. We got ten, baby. So number five, I watched the documentary called A Fat Wreck, which was a documentary on Fat Records and Fat Mike. It was kind I have, of... I have no comment on that one. Yeah, kind of so-so. Kind of so-so. I wanted to check it out. There are some Fat Records bands that uh, I used to like a lot and I still listen to now and then. Um, I watched the documentary Stranded about the Saints. Oh, I didn't know there was one. How's that? Oh, it's good. It's good. It really only follows the first three records, right? And then it talks about how Chris Bailey has been playing under the Saints name for 30 years with a bunch of hired guns and stuff. Mm -hmm. But it's a good documentary. Really cool um, documentary from a political perspective and also um, to interesting piece of punk rock history about when the saints went to like london and played and how big of a deal that was yeah i need to see that yeah that was good i also watched the one called can't stand losing you about the police that one was kind of i would say so so not the greatest um a rock doc that i can't believe i've never seen on the sex pistols Never mind the Bullocks, the classic albums series. All those classic one. album series ones are good, man. I've got many of them 
yeah when they when that they play the tracks in the studio like you know and and take stuff oh, out of they, the mix they fade it all up and stuff yeah. like that it's awesome i can't believe i've never seen this one though it's great on the uh on, on the same line as the saints i have finally watched the radio birdman one descent to the maelstrom yeah it's pretty good that one's really good um I mean, it's too bad that some of the guys are like jerks and all, but you know, they're kind of bitter, whatever. Some of them, hey. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Not nearly as bitter as Rats Gabies from the Damned one, though. That's like the most bitter documentary person of all time. Yeah. Uh, okay, so that's nine. Here's my tenth one. I got around to watching uh, the New York Dolls one called All Dolled Up. And uh, I kind of, I watched the Killer Kane one and I was like, oh, what's this New York Dolls one? And check that out. Not the greatest for me, but still interesting. And that's yeah. it. Right on, man. That's my last 10. Have you seen the Thunders one, Looking for Johnny? Yes. Yeah, that one's good. Yeah. I like the Stiv one better though, personally. I haven't watched that one yet. Yeah, I, I'm more of a, more of a Dead Boys and uh, Lords guy than uh, dolls guy i guess <gasps> sorry dude all right we can still be friends yeah i really like the that first lords of the new church record anyways um that's it my spiel theme was obviously lists hey ryan you want to you want to hear uh what rock doc i watched this week which one it's called a fireside chat the zoog's riff documentary what? How'd you get it? <laughs> the uh, One of our listeners, John Mortensen, sent it to me. No way. Way. Like as a file or something? Yeah. Oh, sweet. How was it? It's three hours long. <laughs> <laughs> of course it is. Uh, yeah, it's made by Aaron Rift, his son. There's no live footage or anything in it. It's all interviews, mostly with Zoogs and Richie Haas. Oh, okay. And mostly done like uh probably close to you know no archival footage for interviews either that's too bad is it all yeah. just like done on a sony handycam type thing yeah but i pulled a fair amount of info from it so it was helpful that way so thanks to john for sending it i can send it to you if, if you want to see it ryan i'll check it out yeah do you uh do you want to get into the moron serenade i sure do History lesson, part one. All right, Brant, amputees in limbo. Where do we go from here? Okay, well, where we go, Ryan, you know what? I was digging through an old box one day, and I found this big stack of these SST catalogs, some oh, of yeah. which I got from you. I can't believe we don't reference these more. There's some great, uh, I'm sure, spaceman-isms. Oh, is yeah. What, is what most of these are. Let me read you. Oh, first of all, I need to put this on the record this catalog does have a cassette version of interim resurgence available okay so phew we can set the record straight on that one <laughs> uh let's see amputees in limbo this record is actually some of the first recordings of the moamo mutatus joined by stellar talent along the lines of john truby mark myler and Richie Haas, this is a truly demented work of art. Contains Heart Attack, Secret Marines, the sequel, and 12 other slabs of Moamo music. <laughs> there you go. 
There definitely some, are slabs. Yeah. Let's see. Here's some stuff I got from the documentary. And one of the things about this record, Ryan, is it's also sometimes referred to as amputees in limbo phase three. Right. Right. Which if you remember back with our, back in our interview with Mr. California, he mentions how Zoogs hated being compared to Frank Zappa, even though he's a huge Zappa fan. And he specifically yeah. talks about that phase three being like a, a Zappa reference, you know, like something Zappa would do. Yeah. Well, there was the, the civilization, uh, phase three record. That's all on the Synclavier. Yeah. And also back, they mentioned this on the, in the documentary back in New Jersey, uh, Zobus before, before Zoogs moved out to LA, Zobus did a demo tape and they had, they released several versions of it or I say released. I think they like just shopped it around to, to labels and stuff. Uh, but it also at times went by, by the name amputees in limbo. So this name had been floating around for, for quite some time. Okay. So next week we'll be, we're out of sequence here again. It would be great if we were doing idiots on the miniature golf course first, but in the, in the future, if you know, if you're just getting into this and we're way past this, you should probably skip ahead to idiots on the miniature golf course and then maybe listen to this one because it'll make, it'll make more sense. <laughs> it's going to make more sense. Is it? Yeah, maybe, <laughs> probably not. Okay. So idiots on the miniature golf, golf course was a flop. Zoogs decides to move to Oregon and, uh, he talks a lot about, he doesn't really talk a lot about it in his, in the movie, but he talks a lot about it in that clams in a glass book. He really gets kind of obsessed with the ideas of nuclear war. His brother is really obsessed with it and gets him, gets him all anxious about it. And he wants to get away from civilization and things just aren't going well for him in LA. And so they, they move out to Oregon for about a year and, and then they end up moving back. He and Laura, his wife. And we'll get into this next, next week, but the micro mastodons break up. And when he comes back, he decides to form uh, a new band. He's pissed off because he had put a ton of effort into idiots on the Min miniature golf course. He thought it was a great album and it was kind of met with indifference, a common theme throughout Zoogs' career. Here's a quote I liked from the movie from Zoogs. I changed the premise of the music. Instead of it being a slapsticky kind of a thing, something complicated, I took the exact opposite attitude. I took a fuck you attitude towards the audience, the record labels, to everybody. If you can't appreciate music that has any type of sophistication or complexity to it, fuck you. I'm just going to give you one chord songs from now on. <laughs> so that was kind of where his head was at going into amputees, which is kind of true if you listen to the songs compared to to idiots on the miniature golf course i totally what if you've heard idiots on the miniature golf course and again we'll get into this next week you'll understand why he kind of calls it slapsticky rich in the documentary talks a lot about how they went in a more punk rock direction on this album uh, more people start coming to the shows he mentions matt graining bruce duff richard gear they play a bunch of well-received shows with Vox Pop at the Cafe de Grand. 
So there in one sentence, we've got a doll and a Duff reference. Yes. yes. Thank you. Thank you. Here's Zoogs again from the documentary. It, it was around this time that I started to get angry. I wrote Spaghetti and Meatball Brain. <laughs> started to get angry. Yeah. I wrote Spaghetti and Meatball Brain, which was a deliberate attempt to say fuck you to the audience. I wanted the audience to question my question my sanity at all times. So here's from Clams in a Glass. 1980, he's seeing all of these bands talk about Dada, like the B-52s, Devo, The Germs, Elvis Costello, and he, it, it really upsets him. So he issues a proclamation announcing his official resignation from the Dada movement, declaring that Dada had been corrupted and twisted and destroyed. And that was kind of the precursor for him and Laura to move out to Oregon. They get married while they're out there. Uh, by January 81, they're back in L.A. He'd spoken to Rich, John Truby, and John Sharkey, and Jim Simcoe on the phone about getting a new band together, and he wanted to call it Zoog's Rift and the Shitheads. Uh, the amazing part was added later. They started playing shows at Club 88, the Troubadour, and other venues around L.A. John Sharkey actually funded the first recordings for Amputees in Limbo, and Laura, who was now acting as the manager, started shopping it around. According to Zoogs in the book, Slash, Giza X, Regency Records, Posh Boy, and New Alliance Records all showed interest in Amputees in Limbo, but ultimately all of them backed out. Uh, Zoogs is getting frustrated that Amputees isn't gaining interest from labels, and he breaks up the band in November of 1981. His son Aaron is born around this time, and by February of 83, he puts the band back together. And it's around this time that he meets Mark Myler, and they start recording at Flipside Studios, which would be later renamed Trigon. Here's an interesting thing from the movie. This is Rich talking about the deal with SST. He says, The deal with SST was going to happen sooner or later. The guys from Black Flag and the Minutemen would keep coming to our shows, and they'd always talk about how they'd like to sign Zoogs to New Alliance Records or SST. Then nothing would happen. It went on like this for a number of years. He says in the movie, Alan Eugster joined the band, and he was a provider of supplies to some of the people at SST. Aha. Uh -huh. Yeah. So in July of 83, this guy George Parsons, who owned a cassette magazine called The Other, releases Amputees in Limbo on his label. And then we go into 1984, by then Ipecac and Interim Resurgence come out, which we talk about on those episodes. And then in 1985, Alan Jenkins of Cordelia Records reaches out and suggests, suggests they do a Best of Zoog's Rift. Uh, to introduce him to the European market. And that's the album that became Amputees in Limbo Deluxe European Edition, which as far as I can tell is the exact same as the <laughs> SST and the Snout versions. Yeah, we should mention that too, right? That this came out originally on Snout Records and, uh, and Cordelia, it seems like. Yeah, Cordelia was the LP, UK only. Snout was cassette. Apparently it came out on this, this label, The Other, also. And then um, they put on some unreleased Ipecac recordings onto it as well. So that's why you get all the different dates. 
on there. Like on the back of the SST version, they go, it even says on the, on the back of the LP, it says a collection of odds and ends too good to go unheard 1982 through 1985. So you've yep. got, you've got the sessions that John Sharkey funded in 82. Then you've got some sessions, as far as I can tell, uh, he mentions in his book doing uh, a three song uh, EP called You're Killing Me in 1983. That song, uh, I'm assuming it's the same You're Killing Me is on Island of Living Puke. But they did two other ones in that one, Disintegration Waltz, I believe, and Art Band. So those two are on this. So there was that session, and then the rest of the stuff from 84, I believe, are all Ipecac leftovers. You follow? Not really, but I'm with you, 100%. Okay. You want to hear a few reviews? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Here's from Music Connection, 1983. This is one of the f finest releases of the year. Zoog's Risk has been playing the let's attempt to get to get a deal game for some time now and this tape represents most of the memorable songs from his club dates this collection of tunes is much more raw and aggressive combining riffs alternately sarcastic and bleak look at his world with his band's tight music musicianship and inspired playing byron coley in forced exposure reviewed all three of the records we've covered so far and he calls this the best of the three zoogs platters reviewed in this issue so he put this one above interim resurgence in ipecac i i'm not sure i do but it's got some as usual it's got some good stuff on it oh yeah this has some good songs i feel like if we could take the best songs off of the first three we've done so far we'd have a pretty good zoogs album yeah, it's like I said last week. Some of it's not good, but the good stuff is great. Yeah. You want to go through it? Yeah, man. History lesson, part two. All right. Brant, we start off with a heart attack. And we've heard this one before. Yeah, this one is on Looser Than or Yeah, Looser Than Clams. Yeah. There's a at least a couple anyways, off of Looser Than Clams. This one is from 1984. And uh, true to Zoog's form, like this is a, just a frantic opening track. Yeah. So this, I'm assuming, is an Ipecac outtake. And, uh, or not an outtake, it just didn't get used on Ipecac. Um, this we've heard twice before, actually. This is the song that you can hear playing in the background on the Island of Living Puke song nightclub sequence. <laughs> Remember that? Zoog, they're playing it live and like that Matt Carlson dude is doing his thing. Yeah. Yeah. This is the one that, where I like where he's going. Jacob Marley took a dull axe and bludgeon Tiny Tim. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, did we mention this one is from 1984? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, the next one then is, but the picture has a mustache. This is which basically is, a demented take on Sunshine of Your Love. Yeah, by Cream, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Uh, and emphasis on demented. Yeah. For sure. Again, for, again from 84, I'm assuming it's Ipecac. 
Yeah. It has um, almost the same lineup as Heart Attack. Yeah. Uh, Zoogs and Mako are on it. MB Gordy um, and Danny Buchanan. But Richie Haas makes his first appearance on the record on this one with Fuzz Vibraphone. Nice. Yeah, speaking of MB Gordy, it's a dead giveaway that it's a Ipecac track next on More on Serenade because you can hear those Simmons drums. Yeah. Yeah. And it's got um, some serious, uh, some serious guitar riffage and wailing, and some sax. Yeah, it's a pretty raw sounding instro. The root, the riff that Zoog starts playing about halfway through sounds like something we've heard on another Zoog's riff song somewhere. I, j- I just couldn't place it. Did you pick that out? Not, no, didn't jump out at me. Well, this one from 84 as well, right? Yep. Then we go back to 82 for the next track, Evil Eye. Yeah, so Evil Eye. <clears throat> excuse me. So Evil Eye, if you look on the back of the SST version, Ryan, it says something about Trigon. These were recorded at the legendary Trigon Studios. It says almost everything was recorded at the legendary Trigon Studios. Right, but if you look at the if you look at the word trigon, it's like different typeset, and yeah. I think that's because it probably originally said flipside, and then remember Mark changed it to trigon. Yeah, they probably yeah, glued that right. on there. Yeah, and it then, says the ni- 1982 recordings were made at the not as legendary City Recorders, which used yeah. to be located in Hollywood. Is yeah, what so it that, says. that would be this one, and that, that's the session that Sharky would have uh, would have paid for that Zoogs mentions. Right. Any thoughts on this track? I like it. Yeah. This is the this is the two bass lineup we have here. Yes. It starts with an almost a reggae rhythm. It kind of like is repetitive but i like it like it's good that it's repetitive it gives zoogs a chance to kind of riff vocally about the evil eye yeah my uh my favorite tracks on side a are the double bass tracks for sure yeah by double bass i guess what we mean is that uh, there's two bass players on it john truby and danny buchanan both play bass you got it you got it then we go to buffy and jody which is a, another wild ride in 1982 here. Yeah, this one's a bit of a throwaway for me, I have to be honest. Yeah, it's it's not as memorable, uh, but thankfully it's only a minute and 34 seconds long. Then, thank goodness, we've got a uh, another appearance of the Marines with My Daddy Works for the Secret Marines. This is a, a killer track for me on this yeah. side, eh? Not not just another appearance, Ryan. Finally, we're at the start. We can see how it all began. Yeah, you're right, too. Yeah. And uh, it's the best one, I think, of the Secret yeah. Marine songs. The, the main riff, I think it's Sharky actually playing it on like a synthesizer or a keyboard. That kind of jagged, angular thing. Yeah, it's good, uh, eh? It's good. The The lyrics are hilarious. Um. Here's from a review I found by this guy, Ted Drodzowski. Every cut's guaranteed to make the PMRC puke, but the two 
But the two-part My Daddy Works for the Secret Marines is an especially rapturous tale of masturbation, urination, and occultism. Yeesh. My, my, my daddy. <laughs> it's good. I like this one. Yeah, I agree. And then uh, we get the last track on side A, Searching for Clams Under the Glass Bottom Boat from 1984. <laughs> <laughs> with the clams all the time i don't get this guy but i love yeah. it for sure another ipecac thing you can hear uh, those simmons drums again starting to realize why some of these tracks maybe got left off of ipecac does have yeah. rich richie haas on the marimba though which is which is always good do you like the 82 tracks better like evil eye and my daddy works for the secret marines I do, and this is what I think Zoogs was talking about, and Rich, when they were talking about going in a more, like, of a punk direction, you know? Mm, I see. Yeah, I mean, they're the, the ones from 82 are the ones with two bass players as well, right? And I don't know, they've got a, just a killer vibe. It'd be great to have a whole album of that. Yeah. All right, well, we should flip this one over then, and on side two, the first track is Secret Marines the sequel yeah 1983 from 83 from 83 <laughs> yeah so this one would have been done at trigon when they first met mark myler i'm sure it's almost a nine minute track the first four minutes is an instro with zooks doing some pretty wild soloing over top and then it shifts gears and goes into another wild secret marines type spiel mark is kind of ripping it up on synth during that part which is cool and then at the end, I love the, I love the end when it really starts rocking. Yeah, this one takes a while to get going for me, but it, it ends up being good. Yeah, I like this one too. Not as much as the other Secret Marines. This one's also on Looser Than Clams. Yeah. Then we go into the Disintegration Waltz, also from 83. It's a Zoog's solo effort. Yeah. Zoog's with his T-bar guitar and vocals, it's kind of another throwaway for me. Yep. Just over two minutes. It's okay. Um, and then we get to the third track, Eyes of Bodhi Dharma. From nineteen eighty five. From nineteen eighty five. You think I, I couldn't pronounce Bodhi Dharma? I don't know. What's Bodhi Dharma? What is Bodhi Dharma? <laughs> <laughs> I don't you sounded like you knew. <laughs> oh, I have no idea. Okay. So this one has Zoogs on prepared T-bar guitar. That's what it says. Mm. Oh, this hey, I just looked it up. I looked it up. Hang on here. Bodhidharma was a Buddhist monk who lived during the 5th or 6th century. He's um, credited as the transmitter of Chan Buddhism to China and regarded as the first Chinese patriarch. He also began the physical training of the monks of the Shaolin monastery that led to the creation of shaolin kung fu all right that's what wikipedia says okay so this is from craig uncrich he says an improvised piece zoogs did on guitar he released it in two different versions the actual song and the song distorted beyond recognition the straight version as it is called on the sst cassette version is the clean one aha uh -huh. yeah 
And he also says, as an aside, in 1987, Zoogs asked me to learn how to play it on keyboards, and the result is Low Life from the album Torment. Then we get to one of uh, your favorite tracks, Brant, I know, Art Band. More like a fart band. Which we've heard before from 1984. (laughs) Yeah, this one's on Looser Than Clams. More Ipecac extras. Here's from Craig again. And I think we talked about this maybe when we talked to Craig or or at some other point. Zooks has claimed that this song uh, was written about the band Fibonacis. I can never pronounce that band right. He really liked their music and he sensed a kind of friendly competitiveness since the band played on the same bill a few times. He thought they were snooty and had large egos, even by his standards. I've seen the band over 50 times and his observation seems pretty correct. All right, and then closing out the record is My Stuffed Animals Have Rabies from, from 1982 again. Yeah. This is one of the other ones he mentions in the doc uh, that he wrote as kind of an answer to punk rock or a shift into a more like simplistic direction. It's a pretty wild song. Yeah, it's it would be my least favorite of the 82 tracks but it's still up there as a favorite on the record for me anyways it 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 to me caused me to think about again like if you would have this track and evil eye and my daddy works for the secret marines and you know six other tracks on a record from 82 that could all fit together that'd be good for me yeah well you should check out the digital version because it's got two extra tracks uh, that are also on the SST cassette version of this, both from 1982. One is called Spaghetti and Meatball Brain. It sounds like an early track. Another one of the ones he mentions, Zoogs is tearing it up on guitar. He's got that T-bar whammy bar, you know? That's what he... The T-bar guitar, when he says that, the T-bar is what he... That's his... uh, his whammy bar. It has a bit of like that Paul Leary sound to the guitar playing from Butthole Surfers. And Sharky, I assume, again, is playing like that similar kind of jagged keyboard riff as he's playing on My Daddy. Yeah. And then there's another song, 654, also assuming it's from 1982 because it has real drums on it. And that's a pretty rough sounding instro, but that Spaghetti and Meatball Brains is, is really cool. Yeah. Those two tracks that I mentioned, Spaghetti and Meatball Brain and, and 654, and also that other version of Eyes of Badradama, are, are, all three of them are on the SST cassette version of this. Ah, I guess I need to get the cassette version of this record in order yeah. to com- complete the collection. Yeah, and also <laughs> the Snout cassette has uh, live at Cafe de Grand, June 26, 1982. Oh, no way. It's got a lot. Like, how many tracks? I think just one. Oh, okay. I think I just want to own a Zoog's Rift record that was put out on Snout just to have it. Yeah. I need an original Snout release. Should we talk about the artwork? Yeah, which one? Uh, Well, they both kind of have the same photos on them. I suppose, eh? Yeah. The SST one version is a little bit more of a treated version of one of the photos both photos of zoogs with kind of long hair the uh the photo was taken by danny buchanan 
Yeah, the SST one's all pink and like maroon, and then the original would be black and white. Yeah. Some of the info on the back, recorded 481 through 483, City Recorders in Hollywood, Flipside Productions, Trigon, that's in Canoga Park, uh, Pranava Productions in Hollywood, and Makeshift Studios in Tarzana. Engineered Leslie Barowitz, Mark Myler, Lee Rickmers. I got all that off of the snout version. Uh, yeah, that's not on here. It has a, a couple of spiels on the back here. It says, a collection of odds and ends, too good to go unheard. Yep. It already mentions uh, the date range. It also says, um, with respect to uh, city recorders, it says uh, Mark's Studio, and he's re referring to Trigon. He's saying Mark's Studio sounds better than city recorders in spite of the fact that the vocals are too loud. Ha ha. As for the words to the songs, if you can't make them out, that's tough shit, daddy-o. Lyric sheets are expensive. And it also has, it looks like kind of, looks like a marker scrawled on the back. It says, all these people hanging around my head, you're making me real mad. Underlined. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I love, you know, your earlier comment about Zoogs was starting to get angry. Um, and then it also it also has a spiel here at the top. It says, warning, unauthorized duplication is a violation of applicable laws, all rights reserved, blah, 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 etc. So go fuck yourself. Nice. Personal management, Thalidomide Productions. So that would have been Laura Rift, his wife. Talent Booking Global. That's, of course, Jordan Schwartz and... Chuck Dukowski. Yeah. And that's yeah. it. No, no dead wax on uh, the SST version that I have. Damn. Ballot result? Yep. Ballot result. I think this one might be a no-brainer, Ryan. Why? Because your daddy works for the Secret Marines? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Me too. We got to get some Secret Marines in the ballot result, man. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. Whoo! All right, three down, one to go. What's yeah. next week, Rick? <laughs> yeah, with no, with with no further ado, it's SST one twenty three, the Zoogs Rift album, Idiots of the Miniature Golf Course, and Brent. We've got a special guest. Oh yeah, do we ever? We've got John Truby on the podcast. It's a great interview. We talk about all kinds of stuff. He tells us tells us a lot about Zoogs too, and. Uh, and we talk about, I, you know, why Zooks was so angry and stuff. And uh... <laughs> he is, you know, Zooks is definitely like someone who had a very, a very definite, like artistic vision and was infinitely frustrated. And that seemed to actually fuel his artistic vision. It's wild. That's part of it. Yep. And uh, we talk about this record too. So it'll be, it's, it's a great interview. Right on. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, all at MoJackPod. We post all kinds of info and tons of pictures of the bands and albums we discuss on the show. Our blog is MoJackPod.com. Please check it out for some exclusive content. 
If you like what we do and want to support the podcast, the best way to do that is to tell your friends about the show. Subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes is also appreciated. We love hearing your opinions, corrections, and feedback, so feel free to post on our social media sites and send us an email to mojackpod at gmail.com. Thanks again for all the support, and we hope to see you next week.